Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. If this is your guys' first time listening to the podcast, welcome. This podcast is free and available on all major recording platforms with podcasts coming out four to five days a week. Today's podcast is the standard format today. Um, around the world, Mariners, Seahawks. This is standard three. And the walk-off at the end. Uh, if you guys enjoy the content I'm bringing to you today, as well as the stuff in the past and in the foreseeable future, if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a rating. That would help me out a ton. Uh, again, just want to say thank you like I did at the end of yesterday's podcast. Thank you to everybody who has been listening and helping me hit my streamer goals. Uh, yesterday, or excuse me, on Monday, uh, we hit, or I hit, excuse me, my 1,000 goal mark for streams. And now we're on to the next biggest goal there. If you happen to be a business owner listening to the to this podcast and looking to get your business to be a little bit of advertisement, uh, please re- reach out to me on either Facebook or on uh, any platform, and I'd be happy to read a little a- advertisement for you. I am actively looking for sponsorships for my podcast. Around the world today, uh, we're going to start off with a Monday Night Football recap of the doubleheader that it was yesterday. Excuse me. Eagles beat the Vikings 24-7. to uh, led by Jalen Hurts, we went 26 of 31 through the air for 333 yards, one touchdown, one pick, sacked three times. Uh, he was extremely dynamic in the running game yesterday, really made his presence known on a on a handful or two touchdown runs. Uh, the Eagles fans are rejoicing just for the fact that they have a solid quarterback. And a lot of people thought that Jalen Hurts wasn't going to be that guy. Darius Slay completely shut down Justin Jefferson yesterday. Recording two interceptions and one reception, or total reception, while he was covering him in yesterday's game. Darius, big play Slayton, or excuse me, big play Slay, as I like to call him, continues to dominate and has a great start to the season. Eagles defense looks fantastic. Kirk Cousins was awful yesterday. I'm not going to sugarcoat it with that. Uh, went Recorded one touchdown, 220 yards, three interceptions. Just a bad day. For the Vikings, and this is what you get from Kirk Cousins. One day he's going to be good, uh, could be borderline great. You know, post three, four touchdown passes, maybe an interception, maybe a sack, and then he turns around the next week and can lay a f- big old dud like he did uh, yesterday on Monday Night Football. Bills just completely blew out the Titans yesterday. Josh Allen went berserk, twenty-six of thirty-eight through the air for three seventeen. And four touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, 12 receptions, 148 yards, three touchdowns. And the big conversation from this game for me is the uh, quarterback situation in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill was bad. Flat out awful. 117 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. If this kind of play continues for Ryan Tannehill, uh, we did see a little bit of Malik Willis. I think he had like two or three pass attempts in the game the last yeah, yesterday. By the time it was a blowout in the fourth quarter. Uh, you can expect to see Malik Willis get more reps for the first team during practice. If this, um, if I'm Ryan Tannehill, your ticker is officially, your, your your clock is going, buddy. I'm not trying to be rude. The Titans fans, excuse me. Um, it's just the, this is what you expected when you drafted a quarterback like Malik Willis, who had the most hype of any quarterback in that draft, which was a terrible draft class in general, even with all the hype and everything. Uh, we saw there wasn't a quarterback drafted besides for, for Kenny Pickett in the first round. That was like the first time in like 10 plus years that happened. There was only one quarterback in the first round drafted, but, um, Malik Willis has all of the, all the talent in the world, all the arm strength. Just gotta get, uh, just gotta get reps. This guy has to go, he has to be on the field, excuse me to allow for the game to slow down, which is what you're looking for out of rookies 
to uh, really thrive in this game. And like yesterday, or on Sunday, excuse me, my days are all mixed up right now. Uh, Garrett Wilson had a great day. Drake London had a great day yesterday. I thought that James Cook out of Buffalo had a pretty good day. Not a whole lot of yards on the ground, 550 plus, but he had 12 rushes. So be curious to see what comes out of that. Uh, signing this morning, the Buccaneers signed veteran wide receiver slot guy Cole Beasley. Uh, interesting to see with this. Obviously, Mike Evans uh, with a one-game uh, layoff, you could call it. You know, it's, it's this whole beef between him and Marshawn Lattimore to me is just completely, it's mind-boggling. I know it's, well, you would say, it's, why is it mind-boggling? Why is it this, that, and the other? Well, I understand. It's like, you know, you don't like each other. Not, not everyone is going to like each other. Just the world that, that we live in, you know, the, the, the old term, love you, your neighbor, or treat you as others as you want to be treated. Unfortunately, it doesn't really happen in this world anymore. But, uh, yeah, that's probably why they're, they're signing this, uh, signing Cole Beasley for, for the slot. Probably gives you a couple in indications about Russell Gage. Uh, I don't know if Tyler Johnson is still on the squad. I don't even know if Shelby, or, uh, not Shelby Miller, but, uh, Scotty Miller is still on the squad. Excuse me, had to dig for that name. I was taking the pitching prospect for the Dodgers. But, uh, just want to touch on that signing quickly. And then, uh, Mitz clinched a playoff spot for the first time since 2016. After a dominant outing on the on the mound by dominant Mad Max Scherzer. Mariners. First off, I got to start uh, off with number one prospect, Harry Ford, who continues to destroy World Baseball Classic qualifying pitching, hitting his third home run of the qualifier tournament this morning. Uh, he is a truly special athlete. I mean, the fact that this guy is a catcher who is hitting leadoff, which I don't think I've ever seen happen in my entire life. The kind of power, speed, bat, bat control throughout the zone, arm strength will make for a very interesting future for Harry Ford. Also, with Kyle Raleigh finding his stride in the, at the Major League level, uh, second base may be an option for Harry Ford. I think you could really put this guy anywhere in the field and he'd play well. He could be third. I think maybe even third base for Harry Ford might, might be an option. I know he's played a little bit of infield uh, with uh, his time also playing catcher. But, man, this guy's got so much potential and talent. Really stoked to see where, where, where that leads him. With last night's win over, over the Angels, uh, the Mariners have eliminated the Angels from playoff contention. Here's a fun stat for you, and I'm not trying to throw shade on the Angels fans or the organization like I happen to do here often, but for good reasons. These, these are, this is a flat-out fact. This is the stat, everybody. Of the 18 active players who have won an MVP, only Shohei Otani and Mike Trout have never won a playoff game. I'm just going to let that sit on there. They have never won a playoff game. You have two of the most generational talents this baseball world has seen in God knows how long. Shohei Otani since Babe Ruth. And you can't win a single playoff game. You know, it doesn't help when you have an idiot like Phil Nevin. And Mike Sosha, who's probably not much better or anything more of an upgrade than Phil Nevin. Uh, so, just want to throw that out there. Another fun stat for you guys today. i got a couple of different stats for you guys today. Most strikeouts by Mariners pitchers within their first two MLB seasons. 249 was Freddie Garcia. 253 was Felix Hernandez. 276 was Mark Langston. 286 was Hisashi Iwakuma. And the new leader... For your Mariners all-time record for two career MLB seasons, Logan Gilbert, 294 strikeouts. Had a hell of a day yesterday. I'm going to get into that here in just a second. Another uh, interesting stat, and this I know this is kind of like a stat-filled section here, but some people like to hear these stats. 
64 total games Carlos Santana has played with the Seattle Mariners. And I have been, I will own up that I have been up and down on the Carlos Santana, Santana train. Um, 64 games played with, with the Mariners. He has 15 home runs. <laughs> you could say he's found the fountain of youth here in Seattle. I don't know if it's the coffee. I don't know if it's the fish. I don't know what it is, but he's, uh, he's been hitting the ball pretty dang good lately. And he had a great game yeah, yesterday. Speaking of yesterday... Game recap, Logan Gilbert, obviously, six innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, one walk, 11 strikeouts is a career high for Logan Walter Ford. For those who don't know why they call him Walter, it's his, his you know, emotionless face, and he looks like the guy from Breaking Bad. I've never seen the show. I know. I'm way behind on that, but anyways. Carlos Santana hits two home runs yesterday, including a grand slam. Uh, dedicated it to his mom for his mom's birthday yesterday. Ty France collected two hits, including a home run and four RBIs. This is a huge, massive, integral piece for the Mariners to make the final playoff push without Julio Rodriguez, Mitch Haniger inside the uh, just con- he still ain't right. He don't look right at the plate. He doesn't look his timing is off. Um, obviously, uh, no Suarez with the with the broken finger or the fractured finger, but. I touched on this in the last podcast, and I want to keep on this because this is something I want to keep talking about. Logan Gilbert continues to evolve right in front of our eyes, just like George Kirby. For the second start in a row, we saw a huge change in pitch usage. He's utilizing the off-speed pitches all over the zone. Knuckle curve and changeup yesterday were impressive to say the least. His demeanor on the mound is night and day different than what it was about a month or two in this season. Confidence is at an all is at an all time high. Coming off his best start in his young career, recording 11 strikeouts is a pivotal part for the future and for the rest of the season for Logan Gilbert. Having him and George Kirby locked up under club control for years, along with the fact that you have Luis Castillo through next year, Robbie Ray for the next three years, depending upon club and player options, this team is in a great position to have one of the best rotations in baseball without a doubt. Pitching matchup today will be Luis Castillo, El El Pedro versus J.P. Sears. That will be at 640 today. Side note, um, I've talked about this a couple of times, and I know that some people, this is going to fall on deaf ears, and I'm not trying to just sound a like a broken record, redundantly talking about things over and over here. It is time to bring up Jared Kelenic in place of Jesse Winker. I know that a lot of people are like, hey, we gave up a lot for for, for, for Jesse Winker. I've addressed that, that conversation multiple times. These are the facts, ladies and gentlemen. Jesse Winker is not attributing or contributing, excuse me, to this team on a daily basis or a weekly basis. His fielding is god-awful. He cannot hit the baseball on the broad side of a barn. I am not trying to slander Jesse Winker. That's not what I'm here for. I'm specifically stating out the facts and keeping it as, as such. Jesse Winker has minimal athleticism. He has a minimal arm. He is one of the worst ranking F war outfielders. I believe he's either worst or second worst left fielder in all of baseball. Like, think about that. He is like Jesse Winker, who was an all-star last year. Obviously, his uh, his bat compensated for his lack of glove, all this stuff. But the fact that he can't hit a damn baseball to save his life, and he's literally not capitalizing on any opportunities with cookies down the middle. I don't know how many four-seam fastballs I've seen. Dead red, middle cut, middle center cut, and he just whiffs it. 
Right-handers, he was crushing. He was one of the top five uh, left-handed hitters against right-handed pitching in all of baseball last year, and he has completely lost himself. An interesting comment when I'm on this conversation, Mike Salk, who was on, or Jared Poto, who was on with Mike Salk via uh, via Seattle Sports Station on the Mike Salk and Brock and Salk show now, he talked about that it's pretty much over for Jesse Winker trying to figure out whether or not he's going to be able to find a stride this year. He very clearly is lost at the plate. He's lost in his head. He's lost confidence of Scott. He's lost a lot of the confidence from his teammates. Um, he looks sulked over on the... I, I'm seeing a Cam Newton-like thing here with the towel over his head. He's just trying to hide from, from, from cameras. That's not what I want to see, Jesse. I want to see you being a good teammate, the best teammate you can. Because when I'm looking in the dugout right now, I'm specifically looking for you. Because I want to see, are you invested with this team? Do you want to be a Seattle Mariner? You called and nicknamed T-Mobile Park the freaking electric factory. You dropped a curse word on national television. And it was a sensation. Everyone was laughing. Because everyone was like, look at cool Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker's cool. And everyone's like, yeah, screw Jesse Winker, we're done. But that's what happens when you don't hit the baseball. You're not contributing with the help of this team. Hell, Dylan Moore is a better player this year in every metric than, than, than Jesse Winker. That's not good at all. I Maybe you put Jake Lamb out there. I don't know. But I like the fact that Jared Kelnick has good athleticism, good speed, quality power. Is he going to strike out a ton probably? Oh, yeah. Is he going to get frustrated? Oh, yeah, but you got to get the kids, the young reps, and I know some people are going to say, well, you said that earlier this isn't the right time to put, because you can't be, we'll be wasting games. Well, what with what Jesse Winker is giving you at the play, there is literally no difference between Jesse Winker and Jared Kelnick at all. At least if, Je if Jared Kelnick gets a hold of a ball, center cut fastball, it's probably going to go. He's been shredding up AAA for months now. He's on a great streak the last few weeks. I don't know how you go about... Maybe you put, this is kind of something I've been thinking about. Because I'm like, how would you get Jared Kelnick in the lineup without having to demote Jesse Winker? I think you put Jesse Winker on the IL. I think you just say, Jesse, regardless of if you're hurt or not, you're not going to help us this year, unfortunately. Um, we know you had a rough year. It's been nothing but a struggle the entire year since the moment that the season started all the way up till it is now. But unfortunately, we need your roster spot for somebody else to come up and help us out. We obviously the rosters are not going to expand uh, anymore before playoffs, so you just got to capitalize. Maybe Jared Kelnick comes up and he's like a Randy Rosarena and he goes nuts. Who the hell knows? But you don't know unless you, you try. And I myself, I'm on, I'm on the record. I have talked a lot of smack between Jared Kelnick and Jesse Winker this year, and for good reason because they've both been sucking. But you know what? Jesse Winker, I want to love you, man. I want to love you so bad, Jesse. Let me love you, like Mike Salk says, right? Let me love you. I want to love you. It's like oh, it's like uh, Jamal Adams. I want to love Jamal Adams, but I can't because Jamal Adams is made out of glass. Jesse Winker, pretty much the same thing. He doesn't get hurt as often, but he's just in his head all the time. He's changed bag stances, I don't know how many different times this season, and I'm just sick and tired of watching this same experiment day after day after day. Put Jesse Winker on the IL, bring up Jared Koenig, see what, what the hell happens. Maybe bring up Kyle Lewis. I don't know. 
But you don't bring up, Kyle, in my personal opinion, I would not bring up Kyle Lewis because Kyle Lewis cannot play the outfield, and I need outfield help specifically on defense. And I know Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Trammell and Jake Lamb are on the roster, but Trammell has been struggling a little bit lately, and Jake Lamb really hasn't gotten any run, so it's hard to figure out whether or not he'd be able to do anything more than Jared Kelnick. Seahawks, uh, a couple of things on Seahawks, and then we're going to transfer to walkout, and then we're walking it off today. Of the 15 total pressures that were allowed through the offensive line against San Francisco this last Sunday, six of those were credited to inside, specifically Gabe Jackson at right guard. Um, Gabe Jackson was bad. I can't, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to be beat around the bush. He was awful all day yesterday. Um, whether or not this means Phil Haynes goes in there, whether or not it means Jake Curhan goes in there, um, especially with how important the guard position is with this kind of style of offense under Shane Waldron and Pete, and they want to run the football and be aggressive and be nasty. You've got a nasty right tackle in Abe Lucas. You've got a extremely athletic guard tackle on left in Charles Cross. You know, it sounds like thankfully Damian Lewis's injury is just a bru- a bone bruise, like a, like a deep bruise. It shouldn't block him from playing this week, but obviously until the injury reports come out, we won't know that for sure. Uh, on a comparison for pressures, I was talking about Charles and Lucas, or Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. Abe Lucas had two pressures. Uh, Ch- Charles Cross had one in that game. So considerably better job outside than they did inside. And they were dealing with Nick Bosa, uh, Samson, Ibukam, uh, and uh, the variety of Eric Armstead and the variety of pass rushers that they have there in San Francisco. 2023 Hall of Fame nominee list has been announced this morning. Names on those are like, uh, uh, what's what's the name I'm looking here? Uh, Bowman from the San Francisco 49ers. You've got Camp Chancellor. It's a, it's a, it's a deep, it's a deep, deep list. It's like 120 names. I'm not going to get into all of it, obviously. But, uh, I, it's just exciting to see Camp Chancellor on this list of names for a uh, Hall of Fame recognition. I do think in time he will make the Hall of Fame because he did win a Super Bowl. His impact and how we changed the league, but, you know. Fingers and toes crossed to see whether or not that actually comes to fruition. Boye Mafe was the highest rated player on defense for Pro Football Focus on Sunday. His first sack of his career came against uh, while he was lined up directly across from all pro left tackle Trent Williams, which is a positive note to see, especially with how good Trent Williams is on the left side. He's one of the top three, four left tackles in all of football. So I don't know what you have to do, but like I touched on in the previous podcast with Pete Carroll, uh, when I talked, uh, excuse me, when I touched and talked about Pete Carroll and defensive coordinator Clint Hurt, they need to find more ways to get Boye Malfe on the football field. His explosion athleticism are jumping off the charts and on the field in general. This guy is wrecking havoc. He's setting the edge on defense for runs. He's being tenacious in the pass rush game. You have to find a way to get this young kid on the football field and find a way to utilize him in more and more sets on defense. Um, Daryl Johnson also was pretty good in his limited time also. So maybe that means less reps for Quentin Jefferson, more reps for Mafe. I don't know. I'm also pretty uh, disappointed that Miles Adams was inactive for the second game in a row. I'd rather see Miles Adams and Quentin Jefferson because I think Miles Adams would cause more disruption than Quentin Jefferson, who's really not done much of anything the first two weeks. No updated injury report yet, but anticipate for that to come out sometime today at some point. Just be kind of curious as what exactly that looks like for the beginning of this week as we prepare for the Atlanta Falcons. All right, we're walking it off, everybody. With a sweet, glorious win yesterday, the Mariners look to contribute, uh, excuse me, to continue, if I can read today. The offense going into the dump of a, do- of a ballpark that is the Oakland Coliseum. It is a rat. 
possum infested dump house. I'm not going to get any more than that. Everybody knows it. If you haven't been there, it don't just save your money. Watch it on TV. It's a better experience from, from, from your chair than sitting in some old crusty plastic chair. Always a great day when Luis Castillo takes the mound. Obviously, El Pedro, uh, hopefully he can, he can kind of bounce back. Last time he was in Oakland, he did not pitch well. He did not show up particularly well in that game. I anticipate him to have a nice bounce back today against J.P. Sears. Sears is a pretty good pitcher as well, crafty. And uh, Luis Castillo, just do like Luis Castillo things and just mow these Oakland Athletics down because they're young, they're inexperienced, and this is the perfect opportunity to capitalize. It's like on the seals with sharks in the water. There's blood in the water. You got you got to take advantage today. Hopefully, uh, Carlos Santana and Ty France can continue to steer the ship while Julio and Suarez heal up. Fingers crossed to see Julio at some point this series. I don't know if that'll actually happen. I'm just kind of hoping to see it so we make sure that he is rocking and ready to go for the final 7 to 10 game stretch as we are 15 games away from the end of the season. Currently, if the season ended today, the Mariners would be the 6th seed in the wild card, which would play us against the Cleveland Indians, and we would end up playing the winner of that game would go up to play the New York Yankees, which would be a huge bonus for us. We play really well against the Yankees this year, and we wouldn't have to go up to Toronto and have to deal with vaccination issues, as I know that Robbie Ray and Sam Haggerty are not vaccinated. Obviously, though, health is the most important part for, for the season or at this part for the M's. Let's just hope everybody can kind of get their uh, they get their ducks in a row, for better lack of a statement or an analogy. And uh, we can kind of pick up where we left off yesterday and get another dub because that would uh, that would ease a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear right now on Mariners Twitter land, uh, Instagram, Facebook. People are, are panicking. I was one of them. Uh, this series versus uh, Anaheim was not ideal, but the fact that we were able to come out with a win yesterday and a dominant one led by an absolutely filthy Logan Gilbert as a huge win for the team and going forward to build off of that for this series in Oakland. With that being said, that's going to be today's podcast. If you guys enjoyed the podcast today, uh, please do me a favor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a rating on the cha- on the podcast. I almost said channel. Oh, that really helps me out. If there's anything you guys want me to talk about that I haven't touched on already, please reach out to me on Twitter at Westside Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. I have a Facebook group, Sports in the Northwest, with the Green Mariners insignia. Uh, you can reach out to me on that as well. Uh, if you Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to this. Hopefully the Mariners can pick up and get another dub. See us rise. Go Hawks. Peace.